Hey everybody, welcome into the We Know Fantasy Contributors podcast here on a Thursday night. It's Cody Smith making my hosting debut for the We Know Fantasy Contributors podcast. Uh, along with me tonight are two fellow contributors for the We Know Fantasy brand. And first off, we have Justin Farrell. Justin, how are you doing tonight? Cody, I'm doing great, man. Football's back. November's kind of already in the air there in Kansas City in a 55-degree weather. It's good to see some fans there spaced out, obviously, for COVID. But I'm ready to go, man. You can find me on Twitter at JFHornets25. Looking forward to tonight. All right, and also with us tonight is Will U. Ryan. Will, how are you doing? I'm good. Again, glad to see some football back. Wasn't sure it was going to actually happen, but it is. So you can find me uh, and any of my hot takes on at William U. Ryan. That's W-I-L-L-I-A-M-U-R-I-O-N on Twitter. So look them up, hit me up, ask whatever you want. All right, and as always, you can find me on Twitter at Master Smithers. Uh, so tonight for you guys, we have got some special stuff planned. We have some situations to monitor for week one. So we're just going to talk about some situations, some positional battles, some of that stuff, how we think they're going to shake out and all that stuff. But before we get started, uh, don't forget to visit WeKnowFantasy.com. All kinds of great content on there. I uh, just released my week one rankings earlier today, so you can find those on there. Uh, we got a whole staff of writers doing a great job getting content out for you guys, just pumping it out nonstop. If podcasts are more your thing, we got plenty of those too. We got the Waiver Wire Wishlist podcast that comes out on Mondays with Nate, and I believe Zach is his co host on that this season. Then on Wednesdays, catch the We Know Fantasy podcast featuring Fancy Fro, and that's Nate and Fancy Fro once again on Wednesdays. And we're thinking about getting the live streams back going for Sundays. I don't know for sure if we're doing it here this week one or not. So stay tuned with We Know Fancy's social media and we'll get that uh, figured out, see if we're doing that or not this week. So I guess we'll move right on into the content here and we'll start with some situations to monitor in week one. And the first one I've got here, guys, is the Jacksonville running back situation. So obviously, James Robinson uh, named named the starter uh, on the depth chart. Uh, what are you guys reading into that? Is he the guy to own, or are we missing out on some other names? Yeah, you know, Cody, for me, I'm sticking away from the Jacksonville running back clan uh, as much as I can. Uh, You've got James Robinson, who was a good runner in college, uh, not much from a pass-catching standpoint. This is an offense that threw 589 times in 2019, I'm thinking they're going to increase there. A lot of that's going to be on game script, and also I think they're going to let Gardner Minshew get back and chuck it. Uh, I just really think this is going to shape up like a running back by committee just to keep the defenses honest. Uh, The one thing I would say is I was pretty high on Chris Thompson before they signed Dari um, this week. He's still potentially worth a late-round flyer in deep PPR leagues, but other than that, I'm probably staying away from this backfield in general. What do you think, Will? Yeah, I I tend to agree there. Um, I do think I'm probably a little bit higher on Robinson, and especially in from a dynasty standpoint. Um, You know, he did he did put up over 
4,000 yards in college. So, I mean, this is a guy that has carried the load for his team, even if it was um, at a small school. Uh, that said, I, I do agree with the take that Chris Thompson is probably the guy you want out of this backfield for redraft, especially in PPR leagues. The only reservation I have is the injury history there. So, um, you know, thinking through whether or not Chris Thompson's going to hold up. Um, if you've got a deep bench, I might stash Robinson now before, you know, we see any injuries to the rest of the backfield. Um, cause if anything else happens, I mean, he might be the only show in town and, you know, if you can pop him in your flex, that might be worthwhile. Yeah, I'm awfully high on these guys, honestly. Uh, Robinson, I grabbed him in as many leagues as I possibly could. Um, I just really like the potential upside with him. You know, uh, I was talking about the other day, you know, just a couple years ago, Philip Lindsay was that guy that kind of came out of nowhere for Denver. Uh, nobody knew his name, and all of a sudden – you know, week one, he comes out and ends up with a thousand yard season. So, uh, you know, who's to say that Robinson can't do that same exact thing. So I'm in on Robinson. Like I said, i grabbed him. I stashed him on my bench and the Thompson thing too. Yeah. I think he might have the most value, especially in PPR leagues, uh, right off the bat. So I do like Thompson as well. And, uh, you mentioned Ogunbowale getting signed as well after Divino Zigbo was placed on the IR, um, I think that's more of an insurance policy in case, like you said, Will, Chris Thompson does end up getting hurt. Uh, I think Ogunbowale will be a great uh, insurance policy there for the Jags. So go ahead and move into our second uh, situation. And here we have the Washington running back uh, committee or uh, whatever you want to call it. I guess, uh, obviously, the unfortunate news in the offseason with Darius Geis. Uh, he's cut from the team. Then Adrian Peterson gets cut, so now Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love, uh, Peyton Barber, a lot going on there. How are you guys breaking down the Washington backfield? Yeah, you know, I'll start off with Bryce Love. The thing with Bryce Love is we're, it's kind of a wait and see. We really don't know how this how this backfield is going to shake out. It's a tough lit litmus test for the first week with Philly. That Philly defense is typically very stout against the run. Um I think, you know, everybody's fantasy darling is kind of Antonio Gibson. I have a little concern with Gibson. 77 total touches at Memphis is just, you know, it leaves a lot up in the air for question. The, you know, the efficiency might not carry over from college to the NFL. Um, a Peyton, Peyton Barber, we've kind of seen what Peyton Barber's got. You know, he's a, he's a guy that can grind it out in between the tackles for you. Um it's another one of these backfields that I'm trying to stay away from. If I can in deeper leagues, I have taken a run at Bryce Love just to kind of see as a stash. Again, week one's going to be tough to tell. So staying away for now, but you know, it could something could shake out here with Ron Rivera in that offense. What do you think, Will? So I'm probably definitely higher on Gibson. Um, definitely looking at him as an RB2 at this point. Um, I definitely hear the concerns about the number of touches he got in college, the, the 77 touches for a guy who is supposed to now be doing really well in the NFL raises some questions for sure. Um, that said, he did get some, I think it was third round draft capital. Um, and then we got Adrian Peterson released leading up to the season. So clearly the, the coaching staff is comfortable heading into the season with him. The one guy that hasn't been mentioned yet, JD McKissick um, has kind of, been seemingly used in a similar role to Antonio Gibson. 
um, kind of that dual rushing and receiving role. Um, so he may be someone, if you're really looking for depth, um, he might be able to get you a few points in PPR leagues each week. But yeah, for me, it, it's definitely Antonio Gibson. But um, Dynasty, like you said, the wait and see on Bryce Love is really intriguing to me. Um, you know, he, he had a 2,000-yard season in college at Stanford, um, was in the Heisman discussion. So th- this guy is someone who's got talent. Uh, I think he was drafted in the fourth round, even though he tore his ACL in his final college game. So, I mean, you, you got to extrapolate that and think he probably would have gone second or third round had he not been injured. So I, I'm really curious to see if he can show that he's back to where he was back in his Stanford days. And if so, you know, there's a chance he, over the course of the season, is able to kind of take over this backfield and really, um, you know, take ownership get a bunch of big plays at the end of the season and, and build for next year. So um, he's someone I'm definitely keeping my eye on, watching his usage uh, and seeing where things go. Yeah, Bryce Love to me is the guy that I've been finding myself taking more chances on. I just think the hype on Antonio Gibson is so high right now. He's been jumping up draft boards. He's going super early and he's going around guys that, I felt that I could get better value elsewhere with Antonio Gibson. So uh, he, you know, people are saying he's got the higher upside of everybody, but I don't know if I 100% believe that considering Bryce Love hasn't been able to show what he can do yet in the NFL with, uh, you know, the ACL injury in the final game of his collegiate career and then the struggles of being able to come back from that. So I, I really like taking that flyer on Bryce Love of late and just kind of holding him on the end of your bench and just kind of waiting to see what could happen. I really feel like he's got that upside that maybe by the end of the year, he ends up with a big role on that offense, but it's definitely going to be a wait and see thing. I don't think Bryce love immediately comes out week one and just uh, starts showing, you know, the league, how great he is. You know, I I think it's going to take some time. So we'll move into our third situation here, and that's going to be the Los Angeles Rams running back room. Um, Coach Sean McVay came out and kind of said that these guys are going to plan on using a three-headed committee with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson and and rookie Cam Akers. So, guys, how are you approaching the Rams' backfield? You know, this is an interesting situation here. I think the Rams, and we'll kind of get into it if we get to this point a little later with their wide receivers, they are going to be an offense that had some success in 12 personnel. Um, it's a little bit a little bit more of a positive run script. When you come out of 12 personnel, obviously you've got some bigger guys on the field, some more blocking. You know, I think, you know, I'm along with the industry here on thinking the acres may start to emerge as kind of the, the top guy in this backfield, but I do think it stays as a committee. You know, this is really dependent on Daryl Henderson and how healthy he can stay throughout the season. I think he's a guy that is going to, is going to kind of take the lion's share between the tackles. Acres is a guy with some more lateral quickness, somebody you can get the ball out in some space. He can make some things happen better in the passing game. And then there's always Malcolm Brown here. You know, they're high on Henderson, but Malcolm Brown just kind of sticks in the background. He just kind of pops his head up here and does he steal some of those goal line touches that can really, you know, make you some scoring plays on Sunday. Um, if I have to pick one, I'm probably going eight. Um, you know, if I, I'm going to pick two out of the three, I'm going to go Acres and Henderson. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens this week. And, and does Malcolm Brown kind of establish himself 
as somebody to be reckoned with in this backfield when his opportunity gets called. Yeah, I think that's definitely a reasonable take. Um, the one thing I would think about is how bad Cam Akers' offensive line was in college. Um, he was consistently making things happen despite having just a terrible offensive line. Um, so one thing I've kind of seen is the Rams running backs have really gone the way that their offensive line has gone. So in the years that Todd Gurley was really killing, it was because his offensive line was doing him a ton of favors. Um, I think Cam Akers is kind of used to making the most out of a bad situation. So I could definitely see him, even if they struggle this year from an offensive line perspective, uh, definitely looking like the best out of the three. Um, I definitely agree it's it's between Akers and Henderson for who you want to own out of this backfield, but it's definitely a backfield I'm willing to take some shots on. Um, whenever you get these kind of muddled situations where everyone seems to have their own role, that's really where you can find some value. Um, you know, people get worried because you don't have the guy. You know, so everyone wants to get a, a running back who's going to handle all three downs, um, you know, be the workhorse, get all the touchdowns, get all the receptions. It's just not that common in the NFL. So people tend to discount these situations where people have their initial roles kind of carved out. Well, that's what you've got here with the Rams, where you've got Malcolm Brown at the goal line. You've got Henderson, who's typically going to be the receiving back uh, based on what was happening last year. And then you've got Akers. Um, we're not sure exactly where he's going to fit in being a rookie. Uh, I think he could definitely come in and end up stealing a bunch of work from both Henderson and Brown from those perspectives. Uh, and especially if one of them struggles and all of a sudden it's looking, instead of being a three-way committee, you've got Akers eating up 50% of the carries and most of the catches, um, and all of a sudden he's locked in as an RB2. So I'd definitely be taking the shot on Akers. I tend to fade players like Henderson who really struggled to produce early in their career. Um, typically I've found if you produce as a rookie, you're in good shape. Um, I understand players tend to take a little bit of time to develop, but um, it's those players that do produce in their rookie years that I really tend to follow and try and target going into their sophomore years because that's when a big leap tends to happen. So um, I'm definitely looking at acres out of this backfield more than any of the other two. If I may insert something yeah, a, here, uh, you know, uh, and sorry, sorry to kind of cut you off there, Cody. I just wanted to kind of one point I missed there um, is one thing I think about uh, Cam Akers is coming out of camp. The one question mark that I had heard from a few folks is his ability for pass pro. And I think he can really get himself more opportunity if he shows that he can protect golf in those passing situations where he has to stay back there and take a linebacker coming downhill. And go ahead, Cody. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, that's all right. Uh, to that point, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Cam Akers actually came into college as a quarterback. So you would think that maybe in the situations of pass protection, he would maybe have a better eye for that kind of stuff. But once again, he converted to running back quite early. So, uh, uh, you know, the he was just a young kid when he still played quarterback. So maybe... That's just uh, a little smoke shield there to to make it look better. But as a Rams fan, you know, I'm really intrigued to see how the Rams are going to do this uh, this year with this backfield by committee, if that's what you want to end up calling it. Uh, you know, Sean McVay, he's obviously always kind of had that workhorse guy uh, as the Rams head coach with Todd Gurley. So it's going to be interesting to see if he makes that switch to a true committee this year. 
you know, the Rams really like Malcolm Brown, and I think he's the guy early in the season that's going to have the most value out of the backfield. Uh, it wasn't very long ago where I think it was the Detroit Lions. It might have been somebody else. Uh, Malcolm Brown was a restricted free agent, and they offered him a contract, and the Rams said, nope, you are not going to get him. We're bringing him back. He's an important part to our team. So the Rams like him, and the Rams, I think, are going to use him early in the season, at least until these younger guys get a little bit more acquainted with the offense. So I could honestly see a true three-headed attack, especially early in the season for the Rams. And in my opinion, I, I stayed away from all these guys. I don't own a piece of the Rams' backfield in any of my leagues. So uh, they make they just make me a little bit too nervous uh, going forward here uh, without a real true number one sticking out at the moment. But we'll stick with the running backs one more time here in our fourth uh, backfield, and we're going with the Cleveland Browns here. So uh, obviously Nick Chubb, early draft pick for a lot of people. Kareem Hunt also in the backfield just got that two-year extension. Uh, for I believe it was 13 and a quarter million for two years. So obviously an important part to that offense. So Justin, uh, what do you think here? How are you breaking down the Cleveland backfield for the 2020 season? So when it comes to Cleveland, I think the thing that was sticking out on the page for me, you know, you bring in Kevin Stefanski, heavy run offensive scheme here. You saw what he did with Dalvin Cook in Minnesota last year. You know, it makes you kind of, you know, stand up and say, oh, man, Chubb is really kind of worth that draft capital that you've got to get him mostly ADPs in that probably 9 to 13, 14 range, depending on what kind of league you play in. The Chubb, I mean, the Hunt extension really kind of threw a wrench into that. It really is kind of confusing on, you know, what are they – what are they really investing in in that backfield? And maybe it's a two-headed monster, and it's something that you know you can get some of the the Saints, um, some of the the previous Saints days when you had Kamara and Ingram really scoring big big time fantasy points for any players across the map. Uh, the one thing I would say is they did upgrade that offensive line, bringing in Jedrick Wills and also bringing in Jack Conklin. Um, I think Hunt is absolutely an RB2. He's definitely a, good, a strong flex play and is going to be a premier RB1 if something were to happen to Chubb, um, especially in PPR. It's just tough with, with – I'm, I'm staying away from Chubb at his, at his – at, I stayed away from Chubb, I should say, in, in his with the draft capital you had to invest in him. But it will be interesting to see how this offense shakes out. I think mostly that division is pretty stout from a defensive standpoint – other than the Bengals, who you could probably run and pass on as much as you want to. Uh, Will, what do you think here? Yeah, I mean, I will admit, I think I have one single share of Nick Chubb this year. Uh, and if I remember right, he fell towards the back half of the second round, and there just there wasn't anyone better, so I couldn't pass him up there. Um, I, I remember when I was doing my research for this year, uh, looking at the splits between when Chubb was the first half of the year before Kareem Hunt came back from his suspension versus the second half. And I mean, Chubb was a beast in that first half. And then when Hunt came back, all of a sudden he was, I think in the teens uh, for running backs and, and Hunt was not far behind him. So I think that's kind of my concern about this whole situation is I don't know that we have a, a premier back here. I think it's going to end up being a committee um, more so than people think. 
Uh, I know in, in Minnesota, Stefanski really ran Cook uh, as much as he could. I don't know that that's going to be the case because I think, I mean, Hunt has shown he's been an elite talent in the NFL. So, I mean, you, you've seriously got probably two of the top 10 or 15 rushers in the NFL on the same team in the same backfield. Um, I don't think you can count on Chubb as a running back one. I think his ceiling is going to be capped by Hunt getting the receiving work. You had, you know, these notes coming out of training camp that Hunt was in the discussion for being their number three receiver. Um, So, I mean, he's definitely got the receiving upside. He's got that receiving job locked down. Um, You know, so what does that leave Chubb? The, The work between the 20s and potentially goal line work my big concern is last year he had 15 carries inside the five. Now that, that's a really good number. You want to get those carries, they're worth a lot. He didn't do anything with them. He ended up with negative 14 yards on 15 carries. So, I mean, I mean, just think about that. Like, some would say that's bad luck, but at the same time, like, you got to score on some of those. So, does all of a sudden, does Hunt start getting a look at the, the goal line? Does he become kind of that RB1? So, this year, for sure, I'm, I'm taking... Hunt at his ADP, and if anything ever happens to Chubb, I mean, he's locked and loaded in my rosters. I, I hunt in probably about half my leagues just because I'm willing to take him um, kind of early to mid-fifth, which which tends to be a little bit earlier than when he's been where he's been going. So I've got him locked in as my RB2, and then if anything ever happens to Chubb, I mean, he's a league winner. So that that's kind of how I see this backfield is if you can get Chubb super late, you know, end of the second, early third, I'll take him. But yeah, Hunt, uh, I'm going to take in the fifth round and see what I can get out of him. Yeah, I'm with you here, Will. Chubb, to me, was kind of a late first-tier running back kind of guy. You know, he was the guy that if it came back to you in the late second, he was somebody that I was looking at. But I was in the same boat as you. I was looking at Hunt a lot more than I was at Chubb. And you mentioned the goal line work last year, just atrocious for uh, Nick Chubb. And I, I do believe that Kareem Hunt's going to get a look this year, especially like if, if Chubb continues to struggle early in the season, I think Hunt is going to easily get a look at the goal line work. He's proven that he can be that kind of guy in the past when he played with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I, I love Hunt. I loved Hunt as ADP, and I'm rooting for him to be the guy that kind of takes over that goal line work and you mentioned the negative 14 yards on 15 carries inside the five that actually stretched all the way to the 20 inside the red zone inside the red zone Nick Chubb had I believe the number was 50 carries for 82 yards which yeah it's not even two yards per carry inside the red zone where you need your running back to be that guy that produces and scores touchdowns for you and he just didn't do it last year so yeah, I'm a little worried about Chubb going forward and and Hunt. Like you said, the upside for him where you were able to get him in drafts was just great. And uh, I unfortunately was unable to get him at all, but I wish I had had an opportunity to come away with some Kareem Hunt shares. I'm really excited about his uh, prospects for the 2020 season. So let's move into some receiving cores here, and we'll start with Miami. Uh, if you... Remember last year, Devontae Parker, big breakout year for him. So he's coming in off of that. And then you got Preston Williams, who had a strong start to the season, but tore an ACL, uh, missed the back end of the season, and should be healthy here for the beginning of the 2020 season. And then a guy I'm really personally excited about, Mike Kosicki. Uh, But Justin, what do you think here? How are you approaching uh, drafting or playing these uh, 
Miami wide receivers slash tight ends? So when it comes to Miami, I think that there's two questions that I really ask and they both go hand in hand, you know, my, and it's, and the first question mark would really be at the offensive line. You know, Miami replaced every member off of that O-line in a COVID season where we didn't have any preseason games. You know, that offensive line is probably going to take a couple weeks to gel and then who is going to be the quarterback for the for the year, really? You know, it kind of leans to, you know, Fitzmagic is probably going to stay there as long as he can, as long as he's getting things done, especially with an inexperienced offensive line that maybe cannot protect the, you know, golden arm that you're thinking Tua may be for this franchise. I, I will say that I have targeted Preston Williams in late rounds just to stash him to see how he comes back off that ACL. That's a guy that... Uh, really showed out kind of kind of from off the grid a little bit last year and purposes Uh, they're gonna throw the ball I think their their defense is pretty solid they'll keep them in some games but I think they will be trailing for the most part so they're gonna throw a little more when you think about Jaseki the only thing I would say is he definitely needs to improve on that 57.3 percent catch percentage he had last year does the offense go a little bit more run heavy this year in doubt in in Miami I mean um, I think the targets will be there for Jaseki. It just depends on what he does with them. What do you think, Will? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the big question is how is Preston Williams as he recovers from that ACL? Um, I know uh, last year and kind of previewing a little bit, um, I know we'll be talking about the Rams wide receivers here as well, but, but Cup came out super hot last year recovering from a, a knee injury. So uh, if Preston Williams is able to do that, I mean, I'll be all in. If he shows anything week one and two that he's back to his old form, I mean, I, I'm taking him, I'll, I'll value him as a wide receiver too. Um, Devontae Parker, like you said, kind of broke out last year, although I will say a lot of his breakout came in the second half when he didn't have the target competition for, from Preston Williams. I think um, I'm a little bit lower on Parker than most, uh, not to say he's a bad pick. I mean, he's a, he's a decent depth receiver, a wide receiver three to me. Um, but if you look back at just the first eight weeks and you look at that split, Preston Williams was actually the Dolphins' number one. He had more targets, receptions, yards, uh, one less touchdown than Parker. Um, so, I mean, you're looking at two guys that I think they're happy with moving forward. And honestly, I think they're both worthy of being on a fantasy football team, I just honestly, I would probably flip their ADPs, um, you know, maybe try and get Williams a little bit later than where Parker is going. Um, I'm probably not touching Parker where he's going as everyone assumes he's going to keep up the pace from the second half when he was basically the only show in town. Um, you kind of mentioned the the quarterback dynamic and I will say I, I am a two, a Stan um, in every single one of my, Dynasty leagues, I was going after Tua hard this year in the rookie drafts. Um, I, I think if you remember, it was tank for Tua heading into the NFL draft before his hip injury. So that said, I also understand. I, I think the Dolphins are probably going to try and give him a redshirt year this year. I think they want to let that hip heal, uh, minimize any chance for re-injury there, ride Fitzmagic off into the sunset and chuck it to Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, who were a great one-two punch at receiver. Um, My biggest question on this passing game that you kind of mentioned is Gesicki. Uh, I just don't know how efficient he can be. Like you mentioned his catch rate. His, uh, I don't have the stats here, but his yards per route run really left something to desire. 
And that's really a predictive stat for tight ends. So I'm really hoping we see some improvement there in the first few weeks. Um, if not, he he might just be a bust to me. I I just I don't know that I can get behind a, a tight end that's not going to be efficient, um, especially with two good receivers on the outside there. Um, the one big thing I would say about this is if you are in favor of Devontae Parker, do not sweat week one. He's going to he's gonna disappoint in week one. If you look back at the game logs, I think he put up an, an offer against New England last year. So uh, that's not out of the question. But I, I'm basically giving him a complete pass in week one. I'm mostly just going to be watching Preston Williams. Yeah, Devontae Parker to me, I, I, I just can't look past the 2019 season as being perhaps sort of a fluke for him. Uh, I just, I just don't see him with the ability to come out and produce like he did last year. And obviously, to produce like he did last year would be tough. He was one of the best receivers in the league down the stretch last year uh, to own in fantasy. So, yeah, Devontae Parker for me, I scratched him out early. I didn't draft him at all, and I was more willing to take my shot on Preston Williams late in hopes that he would be ready to begin the season. It seems, I believe, from what I've been reading, that he should be all right. He should be good to go. And if that's the case, I would much rather have Preston Williams at his uh, draft price than Preston Williams. But the big guy that I want to talk about here is Gesicki. I have him as a breakout this year. I think he's going to have a huge year. Uh, I'm a big Gesicki believer. His size, his athleticism... Uh, You saw it a lot at Penn State. He was a great guy in the red zone. He's just able to go up and get the ball. And I really think that late in the season, uh, Fitzpatrick and Gesicki kind of started to gel a little bit. I believe the numbers were Gesicki had like four touchdowns in the last five games or four in the last six. It was something like that. Uh, So Fitzmagic was definitely looking his way in the red zone. So I'm big on Gesicki this year. I like his potential in that offense. And uh, who knows, maybe uh, Williams and Parker both on the field at the same time, maybe that'll help open things up a little bit even more for him. And before we move on, I, I noticed we all referred to Ryan Fitzpatrick as Fitzmagic. Can I get everything started here? And can we start calling Preston Williams Presto? <laughs> I think that, that's, that's got to go that's hand in a, hand there. Hey, man, if he produces bad, like he did last year and stays healthy, I'm good with it. All right, guys, so I think we have time for one more here, and uh, we already touched on the Rams running back, so let's skip the Rams receivers, and we'll go straight to the Cowboys. Um, The Cowboys wide receiving core, obviously bringing back Amari Cooper. He's on a new contract. Michael Gallup, a 1,000-yard receiver last year coming back, and now rookie uh, C.D. Lamb brought in in the first round of the draft. So the wide receiver room just absolutely stacked. And then uh, Blake Jarwin. He's got some interesting potential as a tight end. Uh, what do you guys expect to come out of this uh, Dallas wide receiving core this year? So I have to admit I am not a big fan of of America's team here, but I will tell you one thing that I am in love with Michael Gallup at his at his ADP this year, and I snatched up as many shares as I could. I really think that this is really a 1A, 1B situation in Dallas, plus you throw in the, the – Potential for an Amari Cooper soft tissue, a foot, something that he may deal with at some point in the season at any time. You know, does Gallup get more of the targets that Cobb vacates as Cobb is no longer with that team? 
Um, I, I think this is, it's just a steal to get Gallup in the seventh, eighth round where he went. Sometimes he went up in the sixth, you know, depending on your league. This is a guy that had over 100 targets last year. He's definitely going to get over 100 targets again this year in a pass-happy offense. Dak's trying to get paid. You know, it, it, it's just a, it's a green light there. And, you know, I will touch on Jarwin here, too. This is a guy that went 41 targets, 31 receptions, 11.8 yards per reception. Witten left this this team, went to went to Oakland or Las Vegas, I should say, vacating 83 targets. I definitely think 80 targets for Jarwin is in the realm of possibility. And with that, I, I just think you can't you can't go wrong with a guy as late as he was going in drafts to just be a, a guy that you can kind of stream as a tight end if you want to, or just be your every week starter. I think he's going to come out as one of Dak's favorite targets over the middle and, and really show out. What do you think, Will? Yeah, I will say I'm probably a little higher on Cooper. Um, I mean, I'm just thinking back to, so I will caveat this with saying when he's healthy, he is an elite wide receiver. He His win rates against both man and zone are great. Um, I mean, he, he puts up a huge number of fantasy points per game. You, you hear kind of this mantra of when receivers switch teams, fade them. Well, if you remember, when he switched teams to the Cowboys, he didn't really miss a beat, uh, even midseason. So um, I think he's kind of found a situation that suits him. Uh, I agree with you, though. Gallup at his ADP is a steal. Um, I mean, you were saying, you know, some leagues he's going in the sixth. I'm like, yeah, that that's my leagues where I'm scooping him up there. Um, I think last year it was 15.4 PPR points per game for Cooper, 15.2 for Gallup. So... When you mentioned the the one A one B, I mean I'd even throw in a one C. I, I think they're going to use C D Lamb really creatively. I think they're going to try and get him in some mismatches out of the slot. Um, honestly, this is a situation where I will take any piece of this passing offense. I think with uh, Kellen Morris play calling it from the offensive coordinator, uh, Dak has obviously shown his ability to distribute the ball. Uh, you touched on Jarwin being super efficient, which is like the exact opposite of the conversation we had on Gasicki. So all Jarwin needs is more volume, um, which, you know, you, you could say they've got three great receivers. How is he going to get the volume? I mean, this offense is going to be cruising. This is uh, uh, seriously, if you're taking a dark horse for best offense in the league, I'll take the Cowboys uh, most definitely. And, I mean, you even had the, the situation where a reporter was asking Zeke about his role in the pass game and I think got a wink out of Zeke. So you can kind of extrapolate there on whether or not you think his role is going to grow in the pass game. But um, I've got Dak as my QB3, and the reason for that is, I mean, I look at the numbers that I'm projecting for Cooper and Gallup and CD and Jarwin and even Zeke and Pollard in the pass game. I don't see how Dak falls short of 4,500 yards. I mean, 30-plus touchdowns easily. This offense is going to be cooking. Like, get anything you can get out of the Cowboys roster. Just just take them. If you're ever in doubt, grab a Cowboy. Yeah, I'm definitely in love with the Cowboys offense this year as well. I have the Cowboys picked as my NFC champ going to the Super Bowl. Uh, that offense is just that good. Dak is amazing. I think he'll be a top three fantasy quarterback. And uh, the only issue I have with Amari Cooper is the consistency. He's just not a consistent enough option for me. So I, he's not somebody that I was targeting where he was going in drafts, but Michael Gallup, he was 
just being criminally undervalued uh, this season. And I think it was because of C.D. Lamb being drafted to that team in the first round. People kind of got a little scared that maybe Michael Gallup's work was going to go down. But I imagine that Kellen Moore still calling the plays for this this offense. He's just not going to stop throwing to a third-year receiver that just had a a thousand-plus yards in 2019. They're going to keep him involved in this offense, and and he's going to put up huge numbers this year. But C.D. Lamb, yeah, he's a great dart throw late in drafts, I think. Uh, If you want to grab as much of the Cowboys offense as you can, which, Will, I know you were saying is definitely a good idea. And and Jarwin, I'm a fan, too, of his. I think, you know, it's just so murky at the end of the tight end one territory. You know, once you get down to, like, 8 to 12, it can be anybody. And... I think Blake Jarwin has just as good of a shot as anybody to jump in and be that back end of the top or back end of tight end one territory uh, with what he can bring to the table and all the vacated targets that are gone from Jason Witten last year. Uh, I definitely like Blake Jarwin as a dart throw too, as a potential tight end one by the end of the season. So guys, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, Justin, you want to hit these guys with your social media one more time before we close the show? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at JFHornets25. Follow me for any any type of takes here for the We Know Fantasy team. We're looking forward to a good season. Let's strap it up. All right. And what about you, Will? Yeah, so it's uh, at William Uryan. At, so on Twitter, it's W-I-L-L-I-A-M-U-R-I-O-N. Um, definitely going to respond if you all have questions on anything um, and look for my articles. I'm going to be talking about the streaming QBs every week. So hopefully get you some good suggestions throughout the week as uh, you hit your bye weeks, um, get you some good options there. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Master Smithers. Once again, guys, make sure you check out WeKnowFantasy.com. There's a lot of great content being pumped out, and it doesn't matter what sport you're trying to play fantasy uh, fantasy sports for if you're playing football baseball hockey uh, Nate and the guys are cranking out non-stop content it's great so make sure you check that out and once again if you're looking for more podcasts in the we know fantasy network to listen to we've got the waiver wire wish list podcast on Mondays with Nate and Zach we've got the we know fantasy podcast with Nate and the fantasy fro on Wednesdays uh, every week we have this show the we know fantasy contributors podcast coming out on thursdays and also i also forgot to mention earlier in the beginning of the podcast we're going to have a dfs podcast this year i believe nick is going to be the host of that the fancy mechanic and you can catch that on saturdays i believe so once again it was fun talking to all you guys and until next week we'll see you guys later